Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Princess Bride. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Boom. Hello there. There we go. I'm sorry. So sorry I was late. We were um, watching the new Cruella de Vil film, you know, the one with Emma Stone, and I lost track of time because it was actually quite enjoyable. I refuse to believe it's enjoyable. It looks total dog shit. Yeah, it is, but it knows it. And that's the thing. It's it's actually, well, I've only got about 45 minutes in and then I'll have to watch the rest another time because my wife put it on and I was like, well, you know I need to go and do the podcast, right? She's like, yeah, I'm watching it. I like, okay, fine. But um, I was actually quite enjoying it. I don't think she was. So the joke's on her watching a film she's not enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that it's the Sharknado of Disney films? No, I don't think they've it deliberately... It shit. No. It's, it's, not, it's not that they've not deliberately made it bad, but it's... Um, no, what I'm saying is it might be a shit piece. It has goof factor... Um, and it's ambitious, but also ridiculous. I'm no, no Disney movie has goof factor. Sorry. The bit where her mum gets pushed off a cliff by Dalmatians was actually hilarious. Yeah, but I don't think it was meant to be hilarious. Was it? I've seen that clip. Have you? Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be hilarious. I think it's meant to be a well, shit. How can we explain that she really is a horrible human being? Um, let's throw this in. And it's had a good soundtrack. They were, had had all kind of appropriate '60s songs that you know, but that work in that moment. Was, I was quite enjoying it. It had that guy who was in Yesterday as the friend whose name I can't remember. He's one of the the hench baddies. Oh, um, who I really like, and I can't remember from, his name. He's from Game of Thrones as well, and various other. Things oh, is he? Yeah. Um, I've still not seen any any games of throne. I almost bought a copy of the first book today. I was in a bookshop today, an actual real bookshop. Can you believe it? Oh, very good. I was in a second hand bookshop and I saw it there and I was like, do I need this? But I've got a, a TBR pile that's extremely tall. Um, I was in bookshops um, over the last few days. I was, I was in bookshops I was back in when bookshops. I was in bookshops. <laughs> um, I have been down in Cornwall for the last week. Um, and I spent some time in bookshops and picked up some oh. good books. Did you have a Did you have a nice time? I did have a very nice time. Yes, I did lots of walking and lots of Cornish things. Visited walking of, across nice coastlines and stuff. I assume. Yep, yep. And visiting National Trust properties and things like that. It was very pleasant. Um, and then I get home and you immediately say that piece of shit Cruella movie is not quite <laughs> as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> did you get back today? Yes, yeah, literally uh, about an hour ago. That is how dedicated I am. You've literally just come back for me to tell you that, just to drop <laughs> drop that bomb on you. Basically that, yeah. Um, and no, before you ask, it's not it's not becoming part of this podcast. Cruella. It's it, yeah. It's it's just it's just the Joker movie, but for for twelve year olds, isn't it? You're, That's basically the plot. You're putting your foot down a bit more about banning stuff or saying you don't want stuff recently. I'm quite liking well, it. Well especially as you been... said we'd never do that Cinderella film, which I've been texting you about, which was actually <laughs> a, a genuinely probably a shit piece. You've been you've been I mean Cinderella's a maybe because Cinderella is a permanent story. And wasn't this new one not made by Disney? No, it's not Disney. So it so it must make the Disney company see the little bit that there's another another cinderella out there that's not them so yeah that i can consider watching but no not cruella fuck's sake <laughs> disney has enough money to create new properties just make new properties you fucking pig fuckers so what you're saying is you hate emma stone <laughs> that's exactly exactly what i'm saying <laughs> interestingly enough i see that the second Zombieland movie has made it onto netflix ah. um, which i never saw when it came out but I enjoyed the first Zombieland, so I may well have to watch that, and that is a, an Emma Stone venture. I have still haven't seen that. It's quite good fun. It's a fun little little zombie movie. Um, very funny. Um, 
But we're not here to talk about zombies. No, or Dalmatians pushing women off a cliff. No. <laughs> but that is something that could have happened in The Princess Bride as a piece of throwaway dialogue for world building, couldn't it? Yeah, he wouldn't have been surprised. He could have had a bit of voiceover saying, Princess Gut- Buttercup's mother was, was pushed off a cliff by Dalmatians, and then that's it. No more, no more context given. And you'd have accepted it. And you would have accepted it, because... Princess Bride is a delightful little movie, isn't it? And it would have cut to the lovely granddad reading to his his grandson, who's who's ill, and he'd have been like, "What? I d- I never signed up for Dalmatians," and then being pushing a woman off a cliff, and then the old granddad might be like, "Someday you might not mind so much." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So the grandson, played by Fred Savage, um, most famous for Fred Savage. What do I know him from? So he was the kid in the Wonder Years. Oh, I've never seen it. Um, which is a sitcom in the Americas. Um, I thought that was a band. I know that's the Wonder Stuff. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> is that some... Like a 90s indie band, weren't they? Yeah, the Wonder I, Stuff. I was going to assume it was some obscure indie band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did that ridiculous song with Vic Reeves, Size of a Cow. You'd recognise it if you heard it. I'm, I'm sure I would. Um, but of course, he also wrote um, several episodes of It's Always Sunny. Ah, right. Dear old Fred Savage. Um, so yes, a child star in uh, in the Wonder Years, which is a, a fairly big um, sitcom, I think, uh, in America, um, and then also in The Princess Bride. But uh, but yes, he's done lots of other random behind the scenes stuff hmm. as old as old Fred. That's cool. I had no idea. Um, so yes, he's responsible for. Uh, for some of the good episodes of uh, of um, of old uh, Always Sunny, yeah, as old Fred Savage. But then the the granddad, played by Peter Falk, of course, Columbo, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a very silly spoof movie called Murder by Death, where <laughs> he basically plays Columbo, but a spoof version of himself um it's uh it's one of those ones that's very uh you know it's got peter sellers in it which kind of gives you right. a, an idea of what it's like um but uh and directed by roger moore but not that roger moore oh that's disappointing <laughs> a different a different roger moore um but it was written by um neil simon all oh, right who, um who we've covered before on we this, have on this yeah. podcast yeah um so it's yeah it's a very silly very it's Similar to um, Clue, I guess. Oh, I love um, Clue. Now that that's yeah. one I hope we will talk about at some point. I think is we there could, romance I think in we it. Could. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? We're doing Beowulf in two weeks' time. I think we can get away <laughs> doing. Clue. Oh yeah, that's the last one. I was struggling to remember <laughs> today the what one. the fourth film of Swashbuckle Month can't, was. I can't remember what the third one is. So that's going to be a nice surprise for me when you tell me at the end of this episode. Okay, shall I shall I save it? Save it for the end, yeah. Okay. Um, but but Princess Bride, getting getting back on topic, is this a movie that you'd seen before? Yes, I'd seen it many times. Um, but the first time I saw it, I would had never heard of it, and I was in America. I think I was sixteen or seventeen. I'd gone to America in the summer with my friend Freddie, um, and he, we were staying with his family um, near Washington D.C. Um, and his, they were, they had, he had a lot of cousins who was kind of our age and younger cousins as well. And a lot of people around us like, what's kind of the perfect family movie? And someone was like, let's watch The Princess Bride. And I was like, what's The Princess Bride? I'd never seen it. And they were like, you never seen it? And yeah, I, I loved it at the time. And then I had the DVD for a while. It was one I used to watch on the regular. And I think it was actually good seeing it at that time because it's, it's a really interesting film, isn't it? Because it's, it's a loving tribute to, as you say, the the kind of swashbuckle story, but it is also is one as well. And it also is kind of poking gentle fun at it and is sort of vaguely satirical, but it has it strikes that balance perfectly. And when I was 16, 17, I was kind of aware of that, whereas I think if I'd seen it when I was a bit younger, um, I still would have enjoyed it. But all of the kind of the references and the cleverness of, of it might have been lost at me. So I saw it at the perfect time. How about you? Yeah, I, I think that's about right. And and I also didn't see it until a bit later. I think I was in my early 20s when I first saw this film. Um, right. And I think it's maybe a transatlantic difference between our two great nations. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> between, between Turf Island and, and, and America. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I, th- I think... 
um yeah i think in in america in particular it's a very iconic sort of uh childhood movie that people watch um like you said it's got that kind of it's almost got that kind of coming of age feeling where it fits in that really nice bracket between when you're a kid and when you kind of get those more referential elements of movies um and i think it's kind of it's it's much more in the american ballpark because i think a lot of people in the in the uk um i don't know anyone who watched this movie when they were growing up um but i think it's one of those things where you get referenced to it and lots of people have watched it since then and and it's become this more iconic film with our generation as time's gone on whereas if you look at american audiences i think they'd be much more aware of it um at an earlier age um but you're right it it fits into that that referential knowing loving pastiche of the swashbuckling movie it sits in the same kind of ballpark as uh, labyrinth the um the david bowie film yeah which i've not um, still not seen yeah which has a similar kind of vibe where that's also got a framing device it's not quite the same f- obvious framing device as um as this but it's got a similar framing device where it's someone telling a story effectively um but um but again there's all sorts of references and the humor in that is a lot more knowing about fantasy tropes um and in the same way that this one has all of those those little nods to swashbuckling tropes and and sort of those kind of stories so it's it's a it's a very interesting film and it's a very unique film as well i'd say there's not many movies out there that really hit the same hit the same notes as 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 the princess bride are there no and yeah it's it's not generic, is it? It's not like a kind of generic swashbuckler, although in many ways it is because it takes every single element of that kind of story and makes it a fun little joke, doesn't it? Yeah, it's 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 incredibly lighthearted in in spite of its subject matter. Um, it manages to to have that kind of humour throughout, um, and I think that's what kind of separates it. And you know, it's got those real it's got those real elements of the genre, but like you said, it kind of it uses them in such a knowing way that even when it's about, you know, getting revenge for someone's dead father or, um, you know, becoming a, the most dangerous pirate of, of, of the seas, um, it does it in such a charming, almost, almost folkloric way, I guess. The Dread Pirate um, Roberts. Yeah, it's, it's got this, this misty-eyed quality um this 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 nostalgic quality that just makes it impossible to to find it too dangerous or dark yeah and this is good nostalgia i think this is an example of when nostalgia is really good isn't it well like, it's actually even like kind of the first time you see it you feel like it's already a film that's looking back at something but it's also a film that later on you can look back on and think oh that's a film i i really enjoyed and still enjoy and it's yeah it's got layers of nice nostalgia which is it's actually quite a rare thing isn't it yeah yeah 100% i think it's got that it's got that feeling doesn't it it's it's a this is a nice cup of tea on a sunday afternoon kind of film yeah it gives you that same kind of internal warmth this movie which is very hard to come across and very hard to replicate um, but it's just got that kind of charm, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's a totally charming film in many ways. And, it, you know, it brings the charm from every character, doesn't it? There's nobody who really lets the side down. Every time a new person comes up, you're like, hey, it's it's that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those movies that has such a wonderful cast as well. Um, you know, you've got these very outlandish characters that are really memorable, but don't appear in the movie for particularly for a particularly long time like you've got billy kirstel obviously as, as miracle yes yeah. you know i never really made the connection that it was billy crystal until this time watching it. i was like billy crystal's in this i think i <laughs> yeah. when i was when i first saw it i didn't wasn't fully aware of billy crystal's body of work and now that i've seen a lot more of it i'm like wow that's billy crystal it's great yeah you never yeah, had it so he's... good <laughs> and he's very he's very funny in this but then you've also got mel smith as the albino yeah um, you might get onto well, this on the trivia, but I read um, I read that he had like who's in like really horrible pain while he was watching he was filming it because they made him wear contact lenses that made his eyes like sting to, throughout the whole filming. So he's actually never watched it back because it would have been too painful to relive the experience. Yes, yeah, no, I I I 
did read that as well, um, which is not good. But yeah, uh, I watched that, this on Amazon also... Prime, and I m- mostly watched it on um, my phone because I was kind of doing other stuff for it. It's kind of one of the other stuff. <laughs> the but... way the way it was meant to be watched. <laughs> the way that Rob Reiner intended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only way it would have been better is if it was on a Game Boy Advance cartridge. Obviously. Yeah, where's our Game Boy Advance cartridge version of the Princess Bride? Um, but um, it does it on the TV as well. But I think on the phone it's a lot easier. Um, if you touch the screen while the film is playing, it shows you all of the actors who are on screen and then has like all the trivia like right there in front of you. So I actually did look at a lot of that stuff because it was quite interesting. But it was obsessed with showing me goofs and stuff where like the boom mic was in shot or like it's a countryside scene and you can see modern houses in the background. And I'm like, fuck off, Amazon Prime. I don't care. It's the Princess Bride. What have you done? He's thrown a kettle over a pub. What have you done? <laughs> And and that is something that's a real bugbear of mine in in modern criticism is those kind of goof things like you get those awful YouTube channels which are just like here's a hundred errors in the Princess Bride and then it will literally just be going them going through the movie and just showing the clips where you can see one quarter of an inch of the boom mic in this shot what a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> What a terrible movie this is. I would genuinely um, rather watch a Radiohead concert than watch one of those films. <laughs> <laughs> one of those YouTube videos. Yeah, and th- there's a whole sort of industry. There's a little cottage industry of them on on YouTube of all of these people that do that kind of thing. Um, I can't remember the names of any of them off the top of my head, but equally I don't want to get That's them because they're not memorable. Anyway. Because they're making um, boring content. Yeah, whereas we create fantastic content here, where we we are critics in a much more uh, conversational manner. Yeah, I like to think that we're we're critics, but we're also approachable. We're like, you know, critics. You could also have a pint with. Yeah, we're 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 shit piece critics, shitics, shitics. Yeah, that's good. Shit-ics. No, but I like to think that everyone like everyone listens to this show thinks that we're just regular guys you could hang out with. You know, I'm sure no one no one listens to Kermode and Mayo and they're like, Yeah, I could have a pint with those guys. No, they're critics. No one reads Peter Bradshaw's reviews and goes, Yes, I could definitely <laughs> see myself going to the opera with Peter Bradshaw. No. <laughs> I could see myself putting the body off the end of a pier with Peter Bradshaw. Um, <laughs> I could see myself watching while Peter Bradshaw is thrown off a cliff by some Dalmatians. <laughs> um, I think I could have a pint with with Mark Kermode. No, I, because I, I just probably... I actually think that Mark Kermode is r- really approachable and a very lovely man. Yeah, I I think that as far as critics go, um, in terms of those sort of big figurehead critics, I think he's one of the ones that has the most sort of insight into your regular moviegoer, particularly when it comes to horror movies where he's got a real precision view of, you know, he's he's got a very good eye on what's good and what's not. And yeah, he's got his um his foibles, I guess, but yeah. he's 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 a lot less impassionate impassioned about the pretentious nonsense than some some high level critics are. Yep. Um I'm not talking about the smaller you know, the sort of website-based critics that that actually watch movies and are movie fans i'm talking about you know the the guardian twat baskets who (laughs) who are like oh we've got this movie took 12 years to make what a fucking great achievement (laughs) i i'm making a movie it's been taking how old am i 33 (laughs) That it's been taking 33 years to make wait until you've been filming this you've been filming this one for so long you needed me to remind you how long it's been <laughs> how old am i yeah yeah my movie's been 33 years in the making where's my fucking oscar <laughs> um <laughs> did he get an anyway, oscar for boyhood i don't know <laughs> it, it did take 12 years to make it took 12 years to make so he got 12 oscars that's the way it works let's find oh, is that how it works yeah, that's, that's exactly how it works. Um, let's see if it... Um, let's see if it won anything. Um, Have you seen won, it? won Oscar. I started and got incredibly bored and stopped. <laughs> sorry, I actually, sorry. Quite, I actually didn't, didn't hate it. I thought it was all right. It's, it's fine. It's just incredibly boring. It's just some guy growing up. I've grown up. I don't need to see. I don't need to see it on the cinema. Thank you very much. Well, that's why we're um, watching Swashbucklers, isn't it? And, and as much as I was saying, I used to fence, and I have indulged in some swordplay. I've never been a dread pirate. You know, that's I've, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, I've never poisoned someone during a, a, a particularly clever game of wordplay either, have I? Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I think I, that I, is actually my favourite moment of the entire film is when Wallace Shawn, he's laughing, he's laughing and laughing and then suddenly he just flops down dead because of the way his yeah. face does it, the way he just kind of goes, eh, and then flops to the left. It's, yeah, it's I, perfect. I think... I think yeah, there's so many wonderful moments and I was thinking about this when we were watching it is that the pacing of this movie is very strange where it's it's split into these these scenes that are almost little stories in their own right mm. um, particularly in the early parts of the movie and then it sort of at about the halfway point it then sort of filters down into this more traditional narrative but it's such an odd framing device and such an odd way of pacing but somehow it works incredibly well. And I think it is in part down to the performances and the, the dialogue in particular is wonderful in this movie. Um, so much so that those kind of idiosyncrasies don't actually impact on your casual enjoyment just as someone sitting down to watch a movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's because it ta- it's taken the kind of the story of a kind of a if this the story is something like the mask of zorro you get a lot of characterization stuff you get a lot of dialogue between them explaining all of the background and stuff and the princess bride actually cuts all of that stuff out in favor of just a pure adventure doesn't it but because the performances are so fun and enjoyable it doesn't really matter and you just kind of assume all of that stuff and that's kind of why you you know it's a bit jokey and you don't really need all that stuff because that would make it too serious and actually what you end up with is a film that's kind of almost a perfect just slightly over 90 minutes isn't it yeah yeah 100 and i i was thinking about this when i was watching it was why is the pacing the way it is and i don't know if this was deliberate or not but for me it almost feels like someone's splitting these little sections of the story up into different you know storytelling sections almost like i know it's all being read to this child over the space of one evening but it almost feels like today we're going to talk about um you know dread pirate roberts and his first appearance to tomorrow you know, the day after that, it's like, here's what happens when the Dread Pirate Roberts met Vizzini and they had a a battle of wits. Yeah. And it almost feels like that. Like, you know, this is what they're, what, this is what they're reading each consecutive day. Um, and, and like I said, I, I, I don't know if that's, that was deliberate, but it's, it, that's how it also creates this feeling of folklore and creates this feeling of lore in general, I suppose. It's a world that creates this much wider view than what you see on the screen um and it does it incredibly well yeah and it's based on a book which i have not read but um which was written by william goldman who also wrote the film adapted from his novel um and i have have you read it Uh, no i've not read it either um i always mean to but like you i've got a big list of books to read yeah it's one that again i i've always meant to read as well and i've just never gotten around to but i wonder how sort of how goofy it is compared to the film i mean if you as a screenwriter are adapting a work that you've already written as a novel then surely you want to be faithful to it right you're not going to take something that's serious and make it into a goofy film but i wonder how much of that goof you can get across in the prose format um so i wonder if he chose to sort of have a bit more fun with it but that might be why the pacing is a little bit weird because maybe he chose to stick to the pacing of the novel where it sort of fleshed those parts out a bit more who knows yeah and i think from what i understand that the novel the princess bride also has a strange sort of framing device where it's um it's supposed to be the story of a of a, of a fictional writer and then Goldman is is pulling out these different elements of it. So it's not the same it's not the same framing device that the, the movie uses, but I think that's a good way of kind of bringing that feeling into a different medium where you couldn't have that like, you know, I, I, have you read House of Leaves for instance? Yes, yeah. That's um, amazing. Imagine the imagine the 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 movie version of House of Leaves. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how could you do that? It would have to be the, the the way that you could do something like that was have a documentary filmmaker sharing parts of this this footage he's discovered mm. whilst also putting in his own elements of of the decision making like you could almost make it like a fake Werner Herzog documentary yeah. i suppose <laughs> that's the only way you could do house of leaves as a 
as a movie adaptation and even then obviously you'd lose quite a lot of elements of it um but um but i think that's probably what they were trying to do and i think you know william goldman understood that the way that it was initially written wouldn't necessarily translate correctly immediately onto screen and so had to come up with a workaround and i think it's a very effective one the way that it's done yeah and he's a guy who knows his cinematic onions he's one of those guys who's written loads and loads and loads of things and you read over it and you're like oh yeah i've seen that i've seen that i've seen that but he's not necessarily like a massive name as a screenwriter it's really interesting yeah it's it's fascinating that the the things that he's worked on the things that he's written um yeah you know maybe it's just me maybe i'm a luddite when it comes to film writers but um it never feels like um never feels like he's always a particularly prominent name in the in the things that he's created and that he's written um which is which is very strange yeah um obviously the the highlight of them is is 2003's Dreamcatcher. have you ever seen dream <laughs> that's Catcher? Uh, no it's a stephen king adaptation isn't it it is yeah i think the it's alien parasites that come out of your bum <laughs> i think is i think that's Dreamcatcher. um but you know he he's worked on he's worked on other uh stephen kings that he wrote uh the adaptation of of Misery, yes for instance, that's right the phenomenal uh, adaptation of which is one of stephen king's um, best i'd say oh yeah 100 percent. um but then also um heat as well the um the very famous um oh no wait that's a different heat this is a heat with burt reynolds in. yeah uh, <laughs> heat 1986 even better even better i thought it said 1996 um never mind that um, again but, also but, yeah, based on a novel at- that he wrote yeah, but you, but then you've also got you know the Stepford Wives. You've got all the President's Men as well. Um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance and Kids. He also wrote a film called Mister Horn. <laughs> <laughs> a TV movie called Mister Horn. Story of frontiersman Tom Horn and his career as a cavalry scout, scout, a tracker, a Pinkerton agent, and a range detective and the final events of his life that led to his tragic death. I suppose he died because he was a narc. Um, yep. David Carradine stars in that. Old uh, old Bill himself. Yep. Um, and there's our horn section for this week. <laughs> there's our horn section for this week. Um, but yeah, you know, you look at those movies, you've got, um, you know, The Stepford Wives is a, is a great little movie. Um, but then also, you know, All the President's Men is a very, um, is a very great, uh, film. Uh, I don't know if you've seen all the President's Men. No, I it's, don't believe I have. Um, it's about uh, Watergate and about the reporters that found out about the Watergate scandal. Um, with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford, I think it is, as the two leads, um, as the two reporters who discover it. Um, it's a you know a wonderful story and a really great telling of of such a an important um, moment in political history. Um, nowadays, of course, you do something like that and. The, the the president would just have to call people soy boy beta cucks and <laughs> everyone would forget about it and go, yeah it's fine it's it's fine he's just one of those one of those guys that's a bit cheeky bit of a cheeky chap isn't he he'll, he's a lad he'll come out with a nice cup of tea for the reporters and go all right lads i'm one of you here have a cup of tea and then everything yeah. will be fine um he's <laughs> <laughs> like when alan partridge goes see the game and the builders go which one he goes don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Like <laughs> Any of them. Um, which, yeah, you, you saw the Boris Johnson thing, didn't you? What thing? Um, where there was reports. I mean, that's a very open-ended question. <laughs> You've seen the the various moments of absolute chaos that Boris Johnson has inflicted on the British public. Um, no, he. I think it was when it they found out that he was cheating on his wife. Um, and um, and which time? <laughs> The most recent time, um, and there was reporters outside his house, and so he came out with his hair looking at his most scruffiest. And, oh, that's right, he was in a dressing gown, and and he he brought out some cups of tea, and one of them was in like a cream egg mug, as if to show, say, "I'm one of the lads. I'm one of the normal people. Um, I'm one of you. I am one of you. I've, I have people. the large Sports Direct mug, I have just the, like you, plebeians. I have the Sports Direct mug. I cheat on my wife, just like normal people do." <laughs> Um, here's my 10 children after I've discarded their mothers, um, like a predatory hawk. Um, 
our, our prime minister is an absolute con artist, isn't he? Sorry, he sorry is, for the he aside. Is ridiculous. He is an awful human being and a terrible politician. And we are a global laughing stock. And we are a global laughing stock. Um, but uh, but anyway, and there's no milk for my son in the supermarket because of his Brexit. So yeah, fuck yep. you, Boris Johnson. Um, yeah, but Bojo, you are a bad man. And we, we don't like you very much, so please no. go away. Please don't listen to this show and don't ever watch a film because you don't <laughs> deserve films. I hope he's never seen The Princess Bride because he does not deserve the joy that this film would give him. Surely Boris Johnson doesn't watch films. That's such a common thing to do. Yeah. He reads, he reads first edition novels by people with unpronounceable names and then chortles to himself in his giant library. But I don't think he's actually read any of those books. That's the well, thing. Well, he pretends he to. He pretends to. I he think he's actually written his... more books than he's read. He sits there, <laughs> Garth Marenghi style. Yeah. Um, he, he sits there in his big comfy chair just pretending to read a book and goes, oh, how very droll. Um, and yeah. then is like, hmm, I better go have another affair now. <laughs> um, that's that's uh, Boris Johnson. Yep. That's our, he, he's like a shit Berlusconi. At least, at least Berlusconi went all in on the corruption and didn't hide from it. I reckon Berlusconi read some books in his time. <laughs> he, he certainly read pornographic novels, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. If there's an erotic fiction book that's been published in Italian, he's read it, I'm sure. <laughs> he published them all, <laughs> let's be honest. Probably he's an awful man. The, <laughs> the erotic memoirs of Silvio Berlusconi. Oh, good grief. Um, yeah, a truly awful human being as well, but at least we can laugh at him because he's not directly imposing himself on us as members of the, his country. No, um, we, yeah, we've dodged a bullet there, haven't we? <laughs> By by being born in England. By being born in England. That's our, our great destiny. Um, but oh, enough yeah. about our country that is genuinely leading to people trying to get rid of lifeguard charities because they're so racist they don't want people to survive at sea. Yeah. Um, let's go back to talking about the Princess Bride. Yeah. Um, and this fictional nation, which is uh, somehow there are all the other nations are me- of the world are mentioned at some point in this film. Yes, yeah, they're mentioned all over the place, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, this this fictional place, which just leads um, to the kind of joke about it, the, the jokey nature of it. Yeah, Vizzini, yeah, he's supposedly a Sicilian, and he says all this stuff about never catch a Sicilian on a Wednesday or whatever it is. I can't remember. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, but I, I think you know, um, you mentioned Wallace Shawn is is fantastic but i think across the board all of the performances are brilliant you know C- carrie elwes as wesley is is brilliant he is um, a hunk and he, i love him and as he his, always is his kind of and also the trajectory of his career is fantastic as well he's done so many great so many great things but him as going from this you know less than a decade later to being the kind of like trying to be down with the kids cool stepdad in liar liar is just an incredible <laughs> career arc and his his performance in that is just majestic see i think i think carrie elwes is one of those people where everything that he's in he elevates it yeah in some way like can you imagine anyone else as the perfectly nice stepdad um no. in, in liar liar it's it's not possible you know you've got robin hood men in tights where he's such a great spoof robin hood yeah um but then you've also got you know more dramatic performances you've got kiss the girls which is an oh yeah a good old one one of those one of those creepy serial killer movies that came out around the same time as saw where they all started doing that that's a, a proper thriller isn't it that one yeah it's a, a real a real thriller He's um, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, yeah, where he probably should have played uh, Jonathan Harker, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Keanu. <laughs> Sorry, Keanu. But Carrie Elwes would have been perfect in that lead role. But um, I also think he could have been a good Dracula. Yeah, why Why won't anyone cast him as Dracula in anything new? He'd be a Again, brilliant Dracula. No offence to Gary Oldman. No, who who is fantastic in that yeah. movie. Well, um, when I get my way, when I'm a famous writer and I get to make my Castlevania film, maybe I'll give it to him. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that. Um, he can play. That's my aim. I'm writing like novels and stuff so that I eventually get published and eventually become a big name. All of it is in service to me eventually making a Castlevania movie. <laughs> that's the end game. And Carrie always, you're the, in. Uh, well, that's one of the Castlevania games, isn't it? Castlevania, the end game, end game of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel um, Beckett's Castlevania. Did you know, by the way, um, Andre the Giant is in this film. Um, Samuel Beckett used to drive him to school. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, amazing. They like lived in the same village in France or whatever. 
Oh, wow. Um, that, There's an amazing, amazing um, graphic novel biography of Andre the Giant, which I will send to you because it's amazing. Um, oh. It's all covered in there. I mean, he's, Bo- he's fantastic. Brown. He's fantastic, isn't he? Um, yeah. I was going to mention to you, have you played or have you heard of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? That sounds familiar, but I haven't played it. So that was... Um, it's uh, created by Koji Igarashi, who oh, is yeah. one of the creators of the Castlevania games. He's the main the main dog. He's the he's the main Castlevania dude. Um, but he basically kickstarted this um, this Metroidvania title, which was basically yeah. going to be like an old school um, old school Castlevania game. Not not completely old school in the the time period where you just had to do lots of backtracking and got confused by the map. You know, you know me. I'm a fan of yeah, the old, I know, old you Castlevania hate it. Yeah. games. You want it to I be linear. I want, I want linear platforming in my Castlevania games. But if yeah, at any is... point it even offers you like a path to go up or down, you'll turn it off. <laughs> I've never finished Castlevania Four because of that. It's like <laughs> what choosing a path, get out. Yeah. Um, and also, I think Castlevania Three does that as well. It does, um, yeah. But um, but yeah, you should, you should um. Yeah, it's it's kind of um, you know the the Symphony of the Night onwards Castlevania games. It's very similar to those. So you should play that at some point when you that finish the old ones. Very up my street. Um, but any, anyway, I Kerry just remembered Owens. that Kerry Owens he played the mayor in Stranger Things, and he was really good in that. As yes, well. yeah, very good in that. Very good in the Saw movie that he's in. He's in the first Saw, I think. Um, the good one. Um, the good one. But uh, but he's been one in all the sorts. That's the third one where the guy gets drowned in liquid pig. Yeah. And that's how that's how he dies. But he he is, he's one of those people that just whatever he's in, you know that he's going to um he's going to put in an interesting performance, regardless of the quality of the end movie. He's also um, done a number of the voices for the English language dubs of Studio Ghibli films. So oh right. You've got okay. to appreciate that. Very nice. Very nice. And also in nineteen ninety four was in a film film called The Chase he played a character called Steve Horsegroovy. <laughs> what could you want? <laughs> um so so yeah so he's he's brilliant. Um I will uh, always love him. Yes. Uh he's he's in he's in Twister as well, isn't he? Isn't he the rival guy in mm. Twister? I think so, yeah. Um cuz yeah, you've got Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt and then isn't he he's the fancy rival um rival. Yep, that's right. Dr. Uh, Jonas Hunter Miller. Man. Um, so Twister. yeah, so he's, he's film. so he's oh yeah. I mean, we could we could potentially watch Twister, couldn't we? Yeah, we could do we could do Disaster Month at some point. That's that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, um, we can't fit it in this year, can we? No, <laughs> with all the plans we've got. But next next year we could do it. Um, but yeah, but then also you know, Carrie Elwes is great, but Mandy Patinkin as Inigo Montoya, iconic um, performance, a brilliant performance. Wallace Shawn, as mentioned before, fantastic. Andre the Giant as well. Um, you know, brilliant in this. Um, Robin Wright never gets mentioned enough. No, as, as Princess Buttercup. In the credits, um, it said introducing. So I assume I didn't know this is, must have been her first film role. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, she's she's brilliant in this. I think she'd been in like like a couple of TV things before this, right? Um, and then yeah, this was like her first first movie performance. Um. But yeah, you know, obviously she's gone on to have a have a brilliant career herself. Yeah. Did you see um, her in um, House of Cards? She yes. Was yeah. Incredible in that. Yeah. Unfortunately, electric. I never. I never finished it because of obvious reasons. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But you know what I did see of it. You know, she was really the standout of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Also in Blade Runner sequel as well. Yeah. Brilliant in that as the the very very cold um sort of uh department head of the of the police um that was an extremely good film and while we're on the subject of denny villeneuve have you seen the early reviews for juna coming out and it's like five stars across the board well what i've seen is there's been a few people that have been like this is confusing and bloated it's like well yeah that's what we want from june have do you know what june (laughs) is do you know what june is (laughs) <laughs> um, and I saw some people complaining about, oh, it's a white saviour complex. It's like, mm, well, that's a bit worrying because if it has the white saviour stuff in it, it means they haven't understood June. 
because the book Dune directly undermines the white savior thing, um, much less so the uh, the 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 movie adaptation that came out in the eighties. So, but I wonder yeah. if that's a that's a um, reviewer who doesn't actually understand what's happening. No, but also um, the new film is only half of the book. It isn't is, it? Yes, so it yeah. kind of I think it probably stops before it gets the chance to really dig deep into that side of the narrative. Yeah, and I hope they do get the opportunity to <laughs> to make the second half for God's yeah. sake. Um, I will be very worried if it doesn't do well enough for them to make the second half. A bit and then like, to make all the other ten books that are in the series. Well, yeah, I want I want children of June and grandchildren of June and and robots of june whatever other ones there robots are. of june is that one of them <laughs> no i no i know children of june is one Silly I had boys a, of june i had a, i had a look at how many june books there were and was like mm, the first book is a masterpiece but like fuck am i reading that many giant books um you have june messiah children of june god emperor of june heretics of june chapter house june Hunters of June, Sandworms of June. Um, yeah, I've I've read the first one. I think I'm content with that. I don't think I necessarily need to read the others, to be honest. To to at some point I will, but like you said earlier, I've got so, <laughs> so many things to read. I cannot read all of the June books. Yeah. It's just not possible. Uh, yeah, I decided I'm not going to read the first one before the film comes out, but I'll get to it eventually. Have you? So have you not read June? No, I've not. You've just it's seen sat on the shelf forever. You've just seen the uh, David Lynch movie. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I would recommend reading it. It is really good. Um, it's a, a fascinating book, and it, it truly does, you know, undermine. You know, it, it's one of these iconic works of science fiction that that creates a lot of the tropes of the genre, but at the same time, it undermines yeah. a lot of the ones that already existed um in very intelligent ways um so um yeah so it's a very very interesting book and i recommend that everybody reads it even if you don't like sci-fi if you've got a brain on you give june a go um but if you think you don't like sci-fi then it might be something that gets you into it i don't know yeah yeah it's it's incredibly dense and odd but if you like things that are complex and challenge you then June yeah. um, is where to go I think um, people who say they don't like sci-fi or fantasy just haven't read, found the right point of entry I think well yeah because it's more of a setting than a genre isn't it Yeah, um, you've just got to find the right story to to showcase the the, 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 the setting that it's in um, and if all you've watched is uh, the S- Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker <laughs> then yeah <laughs> then maybe you've not found the right thing yet um i just i was remembering the other day that before the movie started when we watched it in the cinema um there was someone kicking off because clearly the 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 cinema had double booked some seats which happens sometimes you know when people book at the same time sometimes they both get given the same seats um and this guy initially was like oh don't worry i'm i'll just go chat to the people down the down at the ticket booth and we'll sort it out and then clearly didn't get the answer he wanted so he came storming back into the cinema and was like right get out of my seat i've been waiting for this movie for ages you get out of my seat <laughs> and i was just thinking if you knew how bad this film was going to be you would be thinking this is a blessing I'm, <laughs> i've like, paid money not to see this film but that is jokes on you there. buddy <laughs> jokes on you i get to not have watched the rise of skywalker <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway right oh, uh does the princess bride count as fantasy yeah i'd say so yeah, it, yeah although it doesn't show anything particularly fantastical in it it does have stuff like magic and bits and bobs like that and Miracle then there's Max. also and then there's also references to more fantastical elements as well in the dialogue so yeah i yeah. think this is fantasy um, there's the forest uh, of big fire or whatever it's called yeah the yeah, fire exactly. swamp um yeah so so there's all sorts of bits and bobs like that so yeah i'd count this as a fantasy story uh, yeah um but yeah i I think you know it's the the villains as well i think are incredibly well um well cast chris sarandon as prince humperdinck yeah um great name (laughs) that is a funny name (laughs) yeah and like he he's a guy who in my head is in the phantom menace and just isn't (laughs) 
no, do you he's, think he is in the Phantom I don't know. Wars? He's got he he looks like someone from that kind of Clone Wars period Star Wars, doesn't he? He's got that kind of face of an Imperial commander from <laughs> those kind of films. The face do you know of what I mean? Imperial commander. I can see what you mean. He popped up yeah. and I was like that guy is clearly that's, how do I know him from Star Wars? And I oh no, I don't. It's Chris Sarandon, of course. But there's <laughs> he's in my head he's in Star Wars and he's actually not. You know how everyone's in Star Wars, but he's yeah, actually everybody, not. Yeah, everybody everybody is in Star Wars, but um but yeah, he's not. Um he is of course in uh, Child's Play as well. Not seen that. You've not seen Child's Play? Um, no. The the Chucky movies. You've not seen the Chucky movies. No, or the evil evil Chucky doll. No, I've doll. never never seen any of them. Mate, they are so good. Um, I'm all, I I think I understand the concept. <laughs> I don't think you until you've witnessed them. I remember there being this big old fear about them scaring people, but they're like the least scary horror movies ever. Um, basically, how do they compare to something like The Boy or The Boy Two? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Probably on par with the boy too, but they're much in terms more, of scary haunted child doll movies. They're much more they're much more tongue in cheek um, than than the boy too. Or what's the what's the conjuring one? Annabelle the killer doll. It's much <laughs> more it's much more tongue in cheek than those. Um, whereas yeah, the the basically <laughs> a serial killer's soul. He's trying to escape the police by getting his soul transferred into the body of someone else or something like that, but accidentally gets it put into a little doll instead. Um, this doll then gets bought by someone for their for their birthday, and then evil serial killer doll comes out. And then the sequels get more and more um, bizarre after that. Um and then there was a, um, he, he's also in Fright Night, which I don't know if you've seen Fright Night. No. Um, it's a very good 80s vampire movie. Um, oh, cool. Uh, sort of um, got a lot of comedic elements to it. Um, basically, this kid thinks, hmm, this next door neighbor of mine is pretty suspicious. Maybe he's a vampire. Um <laughs> And it turns out he is, and he 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 goes to some celebrity TV host. I, th- I think is a TV host or an actor, and it's like, help me, help me kill this vampire. Um, and then they did a very good sequel slash remake in the early uh, no the mid two thousand. I think the early twenty tens or the mid two thousands, um, where um, Colin Farrell is the the vampire. Oh wow! Uh, and it's it's really really good. I highly recommend you give that a watch because again, it's very funny. Um, it's got Anton Yelkin in it as the ah. as the kid, um, but also Imogen Poots uh, and mm-hmm. Dave Franco and uh, McLovin as well. Oh, uh, of course. <laughs> It's I love a, that guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but McLovin. Um, you know, Christopher Mintz Plus. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah. Chris McLovin. Chris He'll um, always be McLovin. <laughs> um which yeah it's uh it's it's a really fun it's a really fun sort of remake slash reboot slash sequel um but yeah chris chris arrington he's, he's been in some good stuff um as well over the years but not but not star wars unfortunately no it's a shame but he's great in this um he's got the perfect the perfect face for an arrogant prince yeah exactly exactly um and christopher guest as well um, yeah. yeah interesting turn for him between all of his kind of mockumentary films <laughs> Yeah, and then and then just appearing in this, but he is an actual baron, so oh, it kind true. of suits him, doesn't that's it? True, yeah. So it does it does suit him quite well. Um, he had a hereditary peerage before they abolished yes, it. Yes, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so so I think you know the whole the whole cast is is fantastic. Everyone matches their performances incredibly well, um, and I think that really holds the film together, doesn't it? You know that the writing is brilliant. Um, the the sort of atmosphere is is exactly what they needed for a film like this and then all of those performances help create this this really strong um like you said nostalgic um nostalgic and it's quite work. simple as well isn't it you know it actually doesn't try to do too much i think no no exactly it's not overcomplicated it's not full of twists and turns um the ones that are there are just very well implemented like who is this mysterious dread pirate roberts well it's me nice guy wesley yeah. Who do you think? How do you become him? Who the fuck cares? 
I'm, I'm, I'm the pirate. Here's, here's a, here's a yeah. two, two-line explanation of how I became the Dread Pirate Roberts. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to die. <laughs> it's full of all stuff like that that's just really light-hearted and fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or where he tells Andre the Giant to rest well and dream of large women. <laughs> I think one of my favourites though is the um when when Vizzini or Vizzini is um picking himself up, um going like, Have you heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Morons. <laughs> Morons. <laughs> so good. Um it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's just very it's so well um it's so well written. The dialogue is so sharp. Um and, and like we mentioned on our Zorro review, um that kind of witty back and forth dialogue really makes a swashbuckling movie work, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it's quotable. Again, a lot of things like that. I feel like, yeah, if you if you were to say to someone Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, morons, they'd know what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Inconceivable. Just say that yeah. one word, and people will get what movie you're talking about. Yeah, and um, a lot of these have become classic gifts. Yeah, which yeah, does tell you something yeah. about the staying power of this film. Yeah, it's it's become something that's referenced an awful lot. Um, you type marriage into Giphy, I'm sure the first thing is Peter Cook going marriage. <laughs> I don't know about that, but as the impressive clergyman is his title. Sure, on the surely cast it's list. going to be Adam Driver punching a wall. Oh yeah, that's what it will be. If you type in no, it's um, your version of um, theme from Marriage Story. <laughs> <laughs> My finest work like that, I think. I think it might be, yeah. I'm going to put that on the end of this episode again for all time's sake. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful film. I, I really enjoyed rewatching this. Yeah. And you you feel like you could rewatch it at any time. Well, you? yeah, exactly. You know, if I'm feeling tired on Sunday, I might just go, you know what? Let's uh, let's rewatch Princess Bride. Let's just do it again. You haven't had your caffeinated gravy after your Sunday <laughs> with your Sunday roast. <laughs> exactly. You know caffeinated bacon yeah <laughs> um but yeah um it's uh it's uh it's a it's a it's a it's a great movie it's a really great movie yeah I, I i love it i have a lot of time for it and i think it's it's broad appeal you know and it's a it's a wonderful family film isn't it you could watch this with anyone with kind of any group of people and someone would take something out of it i'm sure it's it's almost a meme where like someone says you're looking for a film that's trying to please everyone action tick adventure tick romance tick mystery tick thriller tick you know it's kind of like it fits into any any of those kind of boxes yeah yeah 100 percent. it's it's a movie that everyone can find something to appreciate yeah. um so before we finish is there anything else you'd like to to share i don't think so no i i think i, I think we've covered it it's a, it's a great film and if, if by some miracle you haven't seen it then i'm almost i'm almost jealous of you because you get to experience it for the first time not that i don't want to big it up too much and get your expectations too high but if you haven't seen it please please go and watch it and enjoy yourself yeah yeah definitely the world is on fire out there so you deserve this yeah go and go and watch it um, so I've got a little bit of trivia for you. So for, so for starters, Manny Patinkin um, has said that this is his favourite, um, uh, his favourite performance of his of his career, yeah. favourite movie of his career. Um, Apparently, he like still gets people coming up to him in the street or like wherever all the time and saying, "Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You call my father. Prepare to die." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and he actually doesn't mind it, which just tells you that he is a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and he sort of he's he's quoted as saying, "I'm frankly thrilled about it. I can't believe that I got to be in the Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean?" And and that's <laughs> the kind of thing is you know it is this iconic movie um, that people can quote, um, and um, it's uh, it's it's yeah it's 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 brilliantly done. Um, he also has said that Manny Patinkin that the only injury he sustained during the entire filming was a bruised rib due to stifling his laughter in scenes with Billy Crystal. Um, which uh, which also is something shared by Rob Reiner, who said that uh, he had to leave the set during his during Billy Crystal scenes because he'd laugh so hard uh, during them, um, which is great. Um, interestingly enough, uh, they uh, they initially, when they first started thinking about making this movie, uh, wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger um, oh. in the role of Fezzik. Um 
but then the I, movie I sort of that. then the movie sort of stalled at the time he was you know this up and coming star um we're talking sort of you know after hercules in new york before the terminator that kind of era um yeah. but um and uh by that point um uh at that point in time they didn't think that they'd be able to get their first choice andre the giant because he was so massive at the time um but then <laughs> when it came around to him actually making it they couldn't afford um Arnold Schwarzenegger anymore because uh, he was too big a star <laughs> but they were then able to get Andre the Giant so it all it all worked uh. out quite well in the end um but yeah you you could have seen Arnold Schwarzenegger in that role couldn't you um, yeah for sure you know earlier in his career um but yeah, it's uh it's it's a it's a great it's a great movie, isn't it? That that'll do for trivia. I don't want to overdo it. But um but yeah, it's uh it's a wonderful wonderful film. Yeah. Love it. How are we going to rate it? Oh. Uh That's a good question. How are we going to rate it? Um How many times will you laugh before you fall over dead? <laughs> 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 I thought you were going to say before you break a rib. Before, oh yeah, before you break a rib. We'll <laughs> before you break one. a rib, um, I'm going to laugh eighteen times. I think. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to match you yeah. exactly on eighteen. That's uh, that's good for me as well. Out of twenty, it's a very it's a very high score, but well deserved. Yeah, this film is wonderful. It's a real real piece of piece of art. Uh, it certainly buckles the swash, doesn't it? It so does. It's perfect for this month. It does. It's uh, it's yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, Gary always swashes his buckle. <laughs> That's a lot. exactly right. So if you you want to see some swash swashes and some buckles, you come to the right place. Yeah, one hundred percent. So whatever we got next, don't leave me suspense um, any longer. Yeah, it it is um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Ah, of course, of course, uh, the movie that that spawned a million weeks at number one for its song. I was going to say the the movie people mainly remember for it giving Brian Adams his one and only hit. <laughs> That's unfair on him. He had one other hit. Yeah, <laughs> and that one with Cheryl Crow. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah, so oh, I'm excited about that. I've not seen that movie in in ages. No, me neither. Again, I probably might have seen it when I was like 17, and I can't really remember it. I know it's an iconic Robin Hood film with a lot of iconic performances in it, but I can't, yeah, I can't really recall. And it gives me the opportunity to talk about uh, Waterworld and The Postman, the oh. greatest Kevin Costner movies. <laughs> Which I think we've had brief mentions of on this show before, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Waterworld, that, that is a shit piece, isn't it? I mean, it is, I, I, I actually kind of love Waterworld. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, to. We can have a little tangent talking about Waterworld next week. Yeah, yeah. But I've not seen The Postman. <laughs> that is not. That is not. Or a have movie. I? Because I've seen Il Postino, which is Italian <laughs> for The Postman. It's which the we American. About. It's the. It's the American remake of The Postman. In that I mean, it's literally got nothing to do with it. It's a post-apocalyptic <laughs> movie where a postman is the last bit of society left and he's like i will deliver post to people um and that's the that's the general plot of it and then nonsense happens for two hours it's There's nothing to do with um, the famous cuban poet pablo neruda <laughs> exactly um <laughs> that's I a mean, joke from a il postino episode. We, we, we can we we can talk about kevin costner another time as well because obviously there's the bodyguard which is a very romantic movie i love kevin costner um, he's done lots of baseball films as well he loves his baseball he loves being the worst dad to uh superman yeah um the one who tells him <laughs> don't help people <laughs> superman hide your strength and your power never help anyone and then dies that's all he does <laughs> um he's great i mean so we can save this chat for for next week but in that movie have you seen man of steel uh no i haven't no superman i've got, heard tell of kevin costner's performance in it super, superman's got two dads right he's got his space dad and his earth dad he superman has got the best choice of dads in that his space dad is russell crowe and his earth dad is kevin costner but Kevin Costner literally is just like, Superman, hide your powers. Want to save that school bus full of kids? Don't do it. You yeah. Get yourself into trouble. 
it's just so ridiculous um but anyway right we'll, we'll talk more about kevin costner next week because i can yeah. talk about man of steel for, for ages maybe we need to have a costner month but <laughs> costnuary <laughs> costember <laughs> costember uh costember <laughs> costuary costoon costnoon yeah, none of those really work, do they? No, no. Um, it's, yeah, at some point, at some point, we, we can talk about the bodyguard at least, though. But yeah, for now, um, let, let's call it a day now. Yeah. Before I start talking about Bull Durham, which is one of the baseball films, which has romance in it, you get to see his bum. Oh, so bum. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. But that's not what we're here to do now. Now we're here to finish this episode, and thank you for listening. Um, and hope you enjoyed The Princess Bride um, if you rewatched it or if you um, saw it for the first time or indeed if you haven't seen it before and you're going to watch it please enjoy and thanks a lot for tuning in we really really do appreciate it and hope that you get something out of this and some fun of us talking about great swashbucklers all month so Swash Swashtember continues next week with a discussion of Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and there's a link in our show notes where you can give us money um it's just like a tip jar um links to some other stuff will be in there too including to the other episodes about um il postino and stuff and we'll be back next week to buckle some more swashes with robin hood prince of thieves Alrighty, bye-bye hey bye